Hello, hello, recovery family. Dan Wilkes with Co-Create Oneness, Motivation for Recovery. And I'm back with another episode. I want to start this episode out by just going over the process of the past year of my life. Just briefly, um, non-rehearsed. I haven't rehearsed anything I'm about to tell you. And I haven't really told anybody in particular. Let's... I want you to understand this. My life for the past year has been that of a lone wolf. I chose to be around no one and let nobody's outside opinion penetrate or or filtrate, whatever you want to call it, my mind. I didn't let anybody else's ideas of me formulate any kind of belief that I had in myself. And by choosing to do that, I started to reprogram my mind through motivational content. It is the reason I create it now. I've spent my whole life creating music, trying to be a musician, trying to be a rock star. Now, I've, I've developed skills with technology, with Adobe software, with, with all these different unique things that most people struggle with to learn. And I already know them. I've been using softwares like these since since I was a kid. So what I'm getting at is I started from nothing. And over the over the past year, I've I've all I've done is practice a specific routine. So where can I begin? I'll start with when I was homeless. When when I was homeless, I had a car, a crappy car, and it it, it would barely get me anywhere. Um, and I had all of my stuff and I refused to live with my mother because we did drugs together. So instead of continue down a very abusive relationship on my part, on my part, I chose not to live with my mother because my mother is crippled. Um, or, or she was. It's a very exciting story, story that I have to share with you in a future episode about my mother. But Right now, let's just, it's, it's just important to understand that I was in a, a very abusive relationship verbally with her, and, and it did not help that we were both using the same drugs. So in, in order to try and change my life, that is the reason that, that I, de- I decided to live out of my car. And... So it was on part under a bridge at Getwell and Knight Arnold Road, and it was in part just keeping my stuff inside this car. It was a lot a lot of the times more comfortable just to sleep on the air mattress I had that I could pump up on the concrete um, than it would be to stretch out in the car seat and, and try and, and, and put my legs up in the dash. So I had a bunch of clothes and a guitar and a bunch of notebooks. I've always been a writer. And... So here I am, I've got a cell phone because no matter what, my family wanted to keep in touch with me. No matter how much I stole from them, no matter how much I tried to connive and lie to them and and deceive them or avoid them now, I was so ashamed I was avoiding them and they were trying to help me. So I used the cell phone um, at night, I, w- I would watch motivational content. I-, I found a video one day, and one video led to the next. So the s- very specific moment I'm talking about, I'm watching videos, and I'm not paying attention to the phone. I- I've got it on autoplay, you know, repeat. 
And here the next video comes up to play, and it's Pain and Purpose by William Hollis by Motiversity. It's a YouTube channel that produces motivational content by Eric, Eric Thomas. Um, anyways, it changed my life. In his video, in this specific video, I heard the man say, Your pain is the pathway to help the next person. The best gifts come from the bottom. And 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 when he and when he said that, I got chills all over my body and I've known all my life that that is a message from the divine. Chills from music is how I've always known if I write a good song or not. If it doesn't give you chills, it's not good content. That's why if you if you if you listen back to any of the motivation that I've created, it'll give you chill bumps. I, 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 I situate the speaking at specific times aligning with the music and the climaxes and and the storyline of the music itself. I know the genius behind behind creating art. And I use this, this I want you guys to understand. If you hear it in a motivational piece that I created, then what it's talking about is how I changed my life in one short year. Now you can't give me any excuse and I'm not here to be your guys' friends. Guys and gals, I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to give you raw, unfiltered truth content that you can rely on and you know, hey man, that guy was nothing and listen to what he's doing now. Look at what he's done now. Look at what he's going to do now. We're all full of amazing, unlimited potential. That's why I always say it. Only you can provide your gifts to the world. Only you. So when, when I heard him say that, I made the choice to stop doing drugs. Immediately. Meth and heroin, the opiate addiction, the opiate withdrawal, the five days it took me physically getting sick, sweating and shivering and... It was, it was torment, but I made it through. I made it through. And at the end of that day, that last day, I, I was free. I was finally free. Here's the most beautiful part of the whole situation. The company I was working for at the time, my foreman covered for me. He covered for me and I got a week's pay for not being at work. So I was paid a week's salary to get clean from my opiate addiction. And, and you know, I say, I keep, I keep putting the emphasis on opiates because if you've ever had a drug addiction, you know what I'm talking about. There is the physical addiction of an opiate, but then there's the mental addiction of an upper of cocaine, of meth. It's, it's two completely different things. And I was addicted to the mix of the two, not only the mix, the intravenous mix. If I didn't feel the sting of a needle, I didn't want it. Unless it was my mom and smoking crack with my mom. So that's why I'm doing this podcast. To give you raw footage of a man that used to be at the bottom. Not only was I at the bottom, I had the wrong mindset and the wrong heart set. I was focused on robbing people and hurting people. 
Now, I changed in an instant. I snapped and I changed in an instant. And it was from the words that that man said. So now that I've heard Les Brown say the same thing, Les Brown said uh, uh, that Mr. Washington spoke to change his life. Someone spoke to change his life, so now he feels it his duty and obligation to speak to change other people's lives. And that's why I've created this podcast. That's why I, I created my Instagram channel and found the few people. I've got about 10 followers on Instagram right now in a group, and they give me the strength that I need to do what I'm doing. They give me the courage. They, they encourage the warrior inside of me. And, and they let me know, they help me to remember that this message is a message from God. Look, my friends, we've been doing recovery the same way for 100 years almost. Now, if innovation has been how we have gotten to where we are today, why then haven't we tried something different? Now, in the episodes to come, you're going to learn uh, a viewpoint of mine that I have on the numerological value of 12, the number 12. It's not, it's not necessarily a, a, a bad thing is what I want to stress, but it is a factor that governs our lives. Stay tuned for that. Right now, I'm going to give you guys a little bit more of my story. So... When I, after I got clean, I chose to move to Colorado. Now that required me working and saving, not getting drugs. In other words, sticking to the plan, saving enough money, getting a better car that would get me to Colorado. Well, guess what? I did all that. And I got to Colorado to a, with a plan that I thought was going to keep me sober. The friend that I was meeting in Colorado that was already established, he, he, he when I knew him, when, when we were um, at the height of our friendship, he was 220 pounds and he didn't do anything but smoke weed and drink. So that is the picture that I held in my head. When I got to the trailer in Colorado, in, in Denver, it was in shambles. It was in shambles. And the guy that came to the door to greet me was 140 pounds soaking wet. I could smell the ether. I could smell the ammonia coming from the house. And, and here's the thing. What in the F, what in the F am I going to do? I was, I was 1,200 miles away from home now. So that was the ultimate choice that I had to make. And guess what I chose? I relapsed. Again, this is the third and fourth time I've relapsed. And the last time, because here's the thing. The number 12 is a cycle. It's a cycle. Now, when you, now, when you go, cycle through those steps and you get to the 12th step and you say, I have had a spiritual awakening and now I'm going to share this message with other addicts, that doesn't mean you cycle back into the, and go to the same meetings surrounding yourself with new addicts that are still freshly ad addicted. That re uh, f Few of them that were court-ordered and coming to meetings were relapsing 
and then still passing the drug test on probation. So they were beating the system. I myself was on probation from a court-ordered probation for four different times, four different accounts, and passed every single drug test by falsifying it. So you can go and sit through those meetings and still not give a shit about anybody there that's trying to stay sober or anybody there that's trying to better themselves. In other words, you're surrounded by people not focused on the same goal. If you want to delete the desire to use drugs, there is a set of principles you must practice. And in these set of principles, you will adopt the mindset and heart set and heart set of a of a, a man on fire, a woman on fire, a person with a a legacy to leave on this planet. Not everybody is not everybody wants to do that. There are people out there that just want a comfortable happy life. But guess what? If you do, if you want your life to be a certain way, it is completely completely up to you to make it that way. There's nobody else that's going to do it for you. No one else is going to make your dreams come true or even offer to show you how. All you have to do is type it in Google, my friends. So without further ado, I'll pause right there and and I'll introduce you to this motivational content that I created a few days ago. And it's about passion, purpose, and personal development. Uh, this is a good list that I've put together, inspired by a couple of others and my own contribution, and I'd like to share this list with you. First, learning the power of purpose. A person who has purpose in their life, they have something to go for, some meaning. One writer described it, for some people it becomes a magnificent obsession. And for you and I, maybe it doesn't need to be that dramatic as a magnificent obsession. But it has to be something that does something to us, something that pulls us, especially into the future. You know, there are many influences on us. One is the influence of the past. Some people are always pulled back, back, back by the past. Some people are always pulled aside by the distractions, the distractions. But here's what's powerful. If you have a list of high purpose in your life, it pulls you toward the future. And the more powerful the purpose is, the stronger it pulls. And here's the other great advantage if you have purpose for the future. It pulls you through all kinds of challenges and all kinds of difficulties. If you don't have these strong purposes for the future, it's easy to get swallowed by a bad day. It's easy to be almost annihilated by a poor month. And it's easy sometimes to almost disappear beneath the waves of a, a year that goes backwards if you don't have something to pull you beyond that year. So if you want something to pull you through all kinds of challenges, all kinds of difficulties and things that come at you, you got to have something on out there beyond today, beyond next week, beyond next month, beyond this year that pulls you into the future. And the clearer it is, the stronger it pulls. The more, the more dynamic it is, the more it affects your life, your spirit, your heart, your soul. 
It also creates imagination. It gets your mind working on how to achieve that purpose. And if your mind will work, and if your heart works, and if your spirit works, and if you have good input, like good ideas, I'm telling you, there isn't anything you can't accomplish. So that's one of the great powers that'll make a variable of you, and that is purpose. I'd like to tell you about the strangest secret in the world. Some years ago, the late Nobel Prize winning Dr. Albert Schweitzer was being interviewed in London, and a reporter asked him, Doctor, what's wrong with men today? And the great doctor was silent a moment, and then he said, Men simply don't think. It's about this that I want to talk with you. We live today in a golden age. This is an era that man has looked forward to, dreamed of, and worked toward for thousands of years. But since it's here, we pretty well take it for granted. We in America are particularly fortunate to live in the richest land that ever existed on the face of the earth, a land of abundant opportunity for everyone. But you know what happens? Well, let's take a hundred men who start even at the age of 25. Do you have any idea what will happen to those men by the time they're 65? These 100 men who all start even at the age of 25 believe they're going to be successful. If you ask any one of these men if he wanted to be a success, he'd tell you he did. And you'd notice that he was eager toward life, that there was a certain sparkle to his eye, an erectness to his carriage, and life seemed like a pretty interesting adventure to him. But by the time they're 65, one will be rich. Four will be financially independent. Five will still be working. Fifty-four will be broke. Now think a moment, out of the 100, only five make the grade. Now why do so many fail? What has happened to the sparkle that was there when they were 25? What's become of the dreams, the hopes, the plans? And why is there such a large disparity between what these men intended to do and what they actually accomplished? When we say about 5% achieve success, we have to define success. And here's the best definition I've ever been able to find. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. I came to know I had the power within me to soar, and that has made all the difference in my life. Flying for the first time is a lot like creating your own business, launching a startup, or establishing a non-for-profit organization. Both require a leap of faith and a willingness to take a journey of unexpected variables. In other words, both require a little bit of crazy and a whole lot of courage. Don't let fear hold you back from doing what you truly love. Commit to your vision and be the CEO of your future. You wouldn't be in this room if you didn't have a vision. You wouldn't be in this room if you didn't have a vision. Worry about the vision more than the provision. I find that the, vis the provision comes to the vision. A lot of people ask for provision who have no vision and, and money runs from blindness. Money runs from blindness. Yes, yeah, money runs from blindness. Money Bishop, you might need to unpack that one. Okay. For for some fun. If there if there is no purpose, there is no provision. How many people in this audience believe in the idea? that the way you think has some effect on your life, that your thoughts are intimately connected to your future. How many people think that? So your thoughts in some way create your reality. You believe that? So how many people in this audience 
have a clear vision of their future. You see, you think 60 to 70,000 thoughts in one day. Out of those 60 to 70,000 thoughts that you think in one day, 90% of those thoughts are the same thoughts as the day before. So if you believe that your thoughts somehow are connected to your life, then the same thoughts always lead to the same choices. The same choices always lead to the same behaviors. The same behaviors create the same experiences, and the same experiences produce the same emotions. And those very same emotions drive the very same thoughts. And your biology, your neurocircuitry, your neurochemistry, your neurohormones, and even your genetic expression is equal to how you think, how you act, and how you feel. And how you think, how you act, and how you feel is called your personality. And your personality creates your personal reality. That's it. So then, if you wanted to create a new personal reality, a new life, then you would have to start thinking about what you've been thinking about and change it. You would have to become aware of your unconscious thoughts and observe them. You would have to pay attention to your automatic habits and behaviors and modify them. And you would have to look at the emotions you live by every single day that are connected to your past and decide if those emotions belong in your future. You see, most people try to create a new personal reality as the same personality and it doesn't work. You literally have to become someone else. If a man is working toward a predetermined goal and knows where he's going, that man is a success. If he's not doing that, he's a failure. Success is the progressive realization of a worthy ideal. Rollo May, the distinguished psychiatrist, wrote a wonderful book called Man's Search for Himself. And in this book he says, the opposite of courage in our society is not cowardice. It is conformity. And there you have the trouble today. It's conformity. People acting like everyone else without knowing why, without knowing where they're going. Now think of it. In America right now, there are over 18 million people, 65 years of age and older. And most of them are broke. They're dependent on someone else for life's necessities. Now we learn to read by the time we're seven. We learn to make a living by the time we're 25. Usually by that time we're not only making a living, we're supporting a family. And yet by the time we're 65, we haven't learned how to become financially independent in the richest land that has ever been known. Why? So what is darkness? Well, scientists teach us that darkness is not a thing. I know you thought it was a thing, but it's not a thing. Darkness is not a thing. It is the absence of a thing. Darkness is defined as the absence of light. It is only the consequences or the results of the absence of that which is legitimate. 
Light is a thing because it is quantifiable. It can be felt. It can be touched. It can be measured. It can be, it can be, there so how many watts is that coming at me? You can measure how much light, the decibels of light. Sound is a thing because it can be measured. Light is a thing because it can be measured. And it came at the speed of light. If you can measure its speed, it's a thing. You never hear anybody say it came at the speed of darkness. Because darkness doesn't have a speed. It doesn't have a decimal. It doesn't have a wattage. Because darkness is not a thing. It is the absence of a thing. So in order to experience darkness, it is when we go through something where we have the absence of a thing. It is what we don't have that makes it dark. <laughs> it is when you don't have the absence. When you have the absence of a thing, it can be dark even if the room is lit. Because darkness is not a thing, it's a void. It's an emptiness. It's an ambiguous existence, a place whereby I cannot see my way clear. Not because the darkness has power, it has no power, having neither light, having neither heat, it has no power. But one day, this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. So we're saying give peace a chance, you know, like nobody's ever done it before. And it's not a matter of, we're not thinking in terms of 10 years, we're thinking in terms of peace forever, you know. And that everybody's talking about now, I want peace now. We can get peace now if we want it now. And the left wing talk about giving the power to the people. You know, anybody knows that the people have the power. All we have to do is awaken the power in the people. The people are unaware. It's like they're not educated to realize that they have power. They put the politicians in power. They vote for the local mayor. The people do it. But the system is so geared that everybody believes that just the father will fix everything. The father being the government. Government will fix everything. It is all government's fault. You know, bad, shake your fist at the government. Well, we are the government. So your brain is organized to reflect everything you know in your life. Your brain is a record of the past. It's an artifact of all the things you've learned and experienced to this moment. So if you wake up every morning and get out of bed on the same side, shut the alarm clock off with the same finger, shuffle into the bathroom and use the toilet like you always do go and get a cup of coffee and drink coffee out of your favorite mug then get in the shower and wash yourself off in the same routine way drive to work get to work see the same people that push the same emotional buttons do the same things that you've memorized and do so well then hurry up and go home and hurry up and check your emails, and hurry up and check your Facebook, and then watch your favorite television show, 
Then hurry up and go to bed. Here's my question. Did your brain change at all that day? We could say that you were thinking the same thoughts, performing the same unconscious actions, living by the same emotions, but secretly expecting your life to change. So there's a principle in neuroscience. And the principle says, nerve cells that fire together, wire together. So if you're thinking the same thoughts, making the same choices, demonstrating the same behaviors, reproducing the same experiences that stamp the same networks of neurons into the same patterns, and then produce the same emotions, you're going to hardwire your brain into a very finite signature. Because as you fire and wire the same circuits in the same way, those circuits begin to become more connected. And by the time you're 35 years old, this is science now, we become a set of memorized behaviors, unconscious habits, automatic emotional reactions, beliefs and perceptions, and even attitudes that function just like a computer program. And if you do something over and over and over again, the repetition of those actions over time conditions your body to know how to do it well better than your mind. Now let's get back to the strangest secret in the world, the story that I wanted to tell you today. Why do men with goals succeed in life and men without them fail? Well, let me tell you something which, if you really understand it, will alter your life immediately. If you understand completely what I'm going to tell you from this moment on, your life will never be the same again. You'll suddenly find that good luck just seems to be attracted to you. The things you want just seem to fall in line, and from now on you won't have the problems, the worries, the gnawing lump of anxiety that perhaps you've experienced before. Doubt, fear, well, they'll be things of the past. Here's the key to success and the key to failure. We become what we think about. Now let me say that again. We become what we think about. Throughout all history, the great wise men and teachers, philosophers and prophets have disagreed with one another on many different things. It's only on this one point that they are in complete and unanimous agreement. Listen to what Marcus Aurelius, the great Roman emperor, said. A man's life is what his thoughts make of it. Disraeli said this, Everything comes if a man will only wait. I brought myself by long meditation to the conviction that a human being with a settled purpose must accomplish it, and that nothing can resist a will that will stake even existence for its fulfillment. Ralph Waldo Emerson said this, A man is what he thinks about all day long. William James said, The greatest discovery of my generation is that human beings can alter their lives by altering their attitudes of mind. And he also said, we need only in cold blood act as if the thing in question were real and it will become infallibly real by growing into such a connection with our life that it will become real. It will become so knit with habit and emotion that our interests in it will be those which characterize belief. How many of God's people are aching over absence? What isn't there can be as painful as what is. 
Now you have to have lived a while to understand what I just said. But what isn't there can be as painful as what is. And in this world, in this Instagram, Facebook, Twitter world, in this selfie world where everybody wants to be in the light and everybody wants to say, see me, and everybody wants to be on stage and everybody wants to be up front and everybody wants to be recognized, it is difficult to get us to appreciate that God does his best work, not in the light, but in the dark. In fact, when God gets ready to prepare you for light, he puts you in the dark. And a habit is when your body knows better than your mind. Where you've done something so many times that the body now knows how to do it better than the brain. And so 95% of most people's behaviors, attitudes, thoughts, beliefs, emotional reactions, are subconscious programs. So why is that important? Because you're here this week to learn new information. And every time you learn something new, you make new connections in your brain. That's what learning is. Learning is forging new synaptic connections. Physical evidence as a result of your interaction in the environment. And the footprints of consciousness is called learning, making new connections. And the Nobel Prize laureate, Kandel, in the year 2000, found that when people learned one bit of information, they doubled the number of connections in their brain from 1,300 connections to 2,600 connections. But if they didn't review that information, if they couldn't repeat it, if they couldn't remember it, those circuits pruned apart in hours or days. So if learning is making new synaptic connections, then remembering is maintaining and sustaining those connections. And he also said, if you only care enough for a result, you will almost certainly attain it. If you wish to be rich, you will be rich. If you wish to be learned, you will be learned. If you wish to be good, you will be good. Only you must then really wish these things and wish them exclusively and not wish at the same time a hundred other incompatible things just as strongly. In the Bible you read in Mark 9:23, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. My old friend Dr. Norman Vincent Peale put it this way, this is one of the greatest laws in the universe. Fervently do I wish I had discovered it as a very young man. It dawned upon me much later in life, and I found it to be one of the greatest, if not my greatest discovery outside of my relationship to God. The great law, briefly and simply stated, is that if you think in negative terms, you will get negative results. If you think in positive terms, you will achieve positive results. That is the simple fact, he went on to say, which is at the basis of an astonishing law of prosperity and success. In three words, believe and succeed. Hello, my friend. This is Dan Wilkes. And if it was three things that I could tell you that I guarantee would move you in the direction of your dreams, it is one, spend more time on yourself than you do on your job. Two, paint a vision for what you want your life to look like 
work towards that every day. And three, love. Love, my friend. Stop focusing on all the negative in the world and just focus on the present moment with love. And if you need help getting started, I would love to schedule a free strategy session with you to help you paint a vision and get started in the right direction. Just visit danwilkes.com forward slash subscribe. That's Dan Wilkes with a Z, D-A-N-W-I-L-K-Z dot com forward slash subscribe. I look forward to hearing from you. And until then, you are full of amazing, unlimited potential. And only you can provide your gifts to the world.